The following is a Kingfisher Media production. Hey guys, you're listening to the In the Blood podcast. I am your host, AC Bergen Fisher, and thank you so much for listening, whether you are a new or returning listener. I'd like to invite you to find a quiet place where you consider what's being shared with an open mind and a receptive heart. Before we begin, though, the following disclaimer. I am not a therapist, and nothing presented here should be considered as therapy. If you feel that therapy would be beneficial, please seek out a licensed therapist who you trust. So lately I've been thinking about the factors which play into how successful, fulfilling, or rewarding a relationship is going to be. Things like compatible personalities, shared interests, common dislikes or enemies, or even just basic familiarity. Now, I think that these are among the most obvious factors, but what about the less obvious factors? Specifically, the ones that probably should be obvious, but for some reason are not. One of these is something I've heard referred to as our shared story. I've heard it argued that even when there are factors which should cause the instant death of a relationship, a shared story might be the single factor that renders it immortal. Now, most of the time I've spent considering the shared story has been in a romantic context. Now, using my relationship with my ex-wife as an example, we had compatible personalities, we had shared interests, we hated the same things, and honestly, usually the same people. We were familiar with each other in every imaginable way. But all of that being said, things between her and I rarely locked up. Every minor argument brought us to the brink of breaking up. And I found myself asking, why? Ultimately, I think it was because we were playing out different stories of an ideal marriage in our heads. Her idea of a successful marriage was completely at odds with mine. And as a result... We were pulling in different directions in our individual efforts to solidify the relationship. Now, I don't want to dwell too long on the marriage angle. The only reason I bring it up is because it was my starting point in wondering if or how our platonic relationships depend similarly on a shared story. My goal for today isn't to offer a complete list of all the different possibilities. I mean, I I couldn't possibly do that, right? (laughs) I'm just going to present what I've experienced and hopefully whatever might be missing for you is something that you can figure out after hearing my view of things. So the first potential shared story is one where both parties are equals and they work as a team. Now, as much as I am tempted to get into detail about what this actually looks like in the day-to-day, 
I personally think it's obvious enough and I don't want to end up mansplaining to you. I, I really do believe that you understand <laughs> as well as I do or anybody else does what equality in a relationship looks like, what equal partnership in the context of a team looks like. So I don't know. Maybe I've already said too much. The second potential shared story is one where strategic planning is at the core of the relationship's maintenance and growth. <laughs> this one can be a little bit more complicated because different people have different ideas about what it looks like to plan for the maintenance and growth of a relationship. Some people take a really, really detailed approach like bordering on obsessive other people just like, yeah, you know what? I should think about that because it's coming up and it deserves at least a passing thought. So I think this one, there's kind of like a spectrum, if that makes sense. Oh, maybe I'm wrong. This is just me running through a thought process, right? The third potential shared story is one where the past is a valuable reference point. Now, for some people, this reference point may be so valuable that it becomes actually the focal point of the relationship. You know, for example, um, you, you can be talking to the other person and while today might be kind of a boring existence for the two of you, maybe you spend more time sitting and staring at the wall than you do actually going out on adventures. But part of the conversation while you're sitting there staring at the wall may be talking about all the fun you used to have, you know, like old war buddies, um, maybe people that, well, you know, getting into an age group like mine, I mean, I'm just not capable of having the same kind of fun anymore. And sometimes talking about things that I did with friends I've had since I was in my prime, it, I don't know, it, it could be exciting. You know what I mean? The, the fourth potential shared story is one where the best qualities of the other person are the focus, you know, where the potential we see in them is more valuable to us than the reality of them. You know, this idea where we idealize each other based on what we think each other are capable of rather than saying, you know what? You know, you might be capable, but the truth is you're kind of disappointing, <laughs> even more so because of that potential. I don't know. I either way, I I think there's a there's a danger in idealizing another person who hold them to these impossible standards. But I mean, I, I suppose the the upside to this sort of story is if we look past the the disappointing things, the ugly things, and we prefer instead to focus on the, the, the best stuff that they bring to the table, maybe good stuff that only they bring to the table, then we can greater appreciate the value of a relationship that maybe outsiders can't really see the value of. I don't know. Again, just a thought exercise, right? The fifth potential shared story is one where there is pressure on one 
person to perform for the other's amusement. And, and I'm not saying that, you know, one person is expecting the other one to dress up in a clown suit and do a little dance while, you know, they clap their hands all giddy like, oh, yeah, thank you so much. Just a, a case of, you know, some people, they, they don't know how to have fun. They don't know how to be fun. You know what I mean? Like, these are just not functions of their personality. And it's it's I don't think it's toxic necessarily for them to want to surround themselves with people who aren't limited in the same way maybe in a way they're kind of living vicariously through these you know more fun people where like look i don't know how to let loose but you do so can you be fun for both of us again i guess there there could be a, a toxic manifestation of this where you know, instead of looking at the the person we're having a relationship with as a a valuable companion, we see them more like a dancing monkey. You know what I mean? But I, I guess, again, this one is a bit of a spectrum between healthy and not so healthy. I don't know. I, I, I guess this is something for us all to think about, right? Now that I start saying these things out loud, I realize there's a lot of different ways this one might play out. And the, the the sixth and final potential shared story that, that I can think of anyways is one where there is a clear power differential. Now, this power differential might speak to the authority that one person has over another, you know, like a boss slash employee, parent versus child kind of relationship. It could be that one person is understood to be smarter or more capable in, in certain situations, maybe a, a better leader, that sort of thing. This might even just be a perceived power differential because one person is five foot nothing and the other one is like six foot six. You know what I mean? There, there's a lot of different things that can cause these power differentials and some of these things are extremely clear. Okay, as I've alluded to already on a couple of these points, each of them has their potential upsides and downsides. And I think as I was going through the list, many of you probably identified at least one of these potential shared stories that sounded normal, healthy, or quote-unquote right to you. I'm guessing that at the same time, though, you were probably able to identify some which were to you anyways unhealthy or quote unquote wrong. And I think this is where things get really interesting because every person you have a relationship with is going to have similar reactions to this sort of list. You know, the, the, the thing is that they're, picks of what is normal, healthy, or right might not actually be compatible with your ideas of the same. I'm not willing to commit to the idea that this necessarily spells doom for your relationship's ability to function, though I will suggest that 
it offers some insight anyways as to why things can seem unreasonably or unnecessarily difficult sometimes. If your story is one where total equality is the goal, but your friend or family member's goal is for one of you to clearly emerge as the leader, you can see how that might cause strain, right? What if you like the relaxed idea of taking things as they come, but you're butting heads with someone who thrives on planning and strategy? You hear me? It actually matters which story is playing out for one or both people. It really does. When I was a kid, I would sometimes get frustrated when I was working on a puzzle. And I think probably most of you already know where this story is going. When a, a piece didn't fit, I'd often try to just bash it into place with the palm of my hand. And I think we have a tendency to take that same approach when we are faced with a person who is playing out a different relationship story. What I wonder is if there might be a way to learn how to incorporate the most powerful elements of each type of relationship story. Now, obviously we couldn't do this all of the time in all of the situations. I mean, not without prostituting our values anyways. I wonder though, if it might be productive to allow the other person's story to play out sometimes. If I prefer one person to take the lead, you know, myself presumably, but my friend prefers a more equal partnership type of approach, it might not kill me to try it their way for the sake of the piece. My guess is that if I get out of the habit of digging in, then they will too, at least if they can see the value in the exercise. This might also be a great time to practice open and honest communication. And while we're communicating, this is a good opportunity to put on the table whatever we think our relationship story actually is. We can also invite the other person to do the same. And what a great time to talk about how our individual expectations have fueled our individual disappointments. You know, in, in, in the context of a relationship, a little bit of understanding goes really, really far when we are approaching the people that we love. So I, I don't know how much control we have over the relationship stories that we as individuals play out. I would like to think that we can develop more functional relationship habits and that these changes will push us towards a story which is better suited to the healthy function of the relationship in question. I don't know. Maybe I'm a dreamer. But I, I really do believe that changes in thinking, changes in focus can result in changes of value, changes of behavior, changes of approaches, things like that. It's been suggested to me that what is right is more valuable than who is right. And I really think that this applies here. 
especially with the understanding that compromise often leaves both people disappointed. So maybe my story or your story isn't the quote-unquote right one. Maybe the right one is a third option. If you've got thoughts on this or anything else I've spoken about either on this show or on any others, please feel free to send me an email in the bloodpod at gmail.com. And until next time, my friends, much love. <laughs>